We're live. <laughs> Another episode <laughs> 95 with David Posnick and Joseph. <laughs> back again. Um, back again, back again. Well, welcome, David. Much, much pleasure Thank to you. have you. I'm very excited for this, um, this episode. Um, David, <laughs> uh, what did... So for those who don't know David, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's Bollywood, (laughs) which is a whole like cinema, like off on its own. And there's Amir Khan, which is the king of (laughs) Bollywood. Yeah. yeah, A lot of people can say. And there's David, (laughs) who who did like, you know, like we like in movies, like you see Batman and Batman does like awesome body transformations. Well, David did those body transformations to Amir Khan. Is correct <laughs> as exactly. a physical trainer, right? Is that is that yeah. about right? Can you tell us? Yeah, that's more precisely about sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I come from a performing arts background primarily, um, with a heavy movement on folk, uh, focus on movement. So, I, uh, you know, I grew up doing musical theater and then got into opera and physical theater, and then I became a circus artist. So, I got into acrobatics, juggling, unicycling, making masks, and then uh, I was actually in India uh, in Mumbai back in 2011, uh, doing a, a India's, I was directing India's first ever hip hop Bollywood circus. Uh, <laughs> got a crazy project. They were like, hey, we want to do something really fresh. So they flew me in from, I was living in LA at the time. They flew me in uh, for a few weeks. And, and that one, you know, was sponsored by MTV India. It was this big, crazy project. And you know, we're like, get rid of the elephants, get rid of the clowns. Let's, you know, bring in some B-boys. And, uh, and his manager ended up finding me through that show because uh, he was going to be playing a circus artist in his next film. Uh, this this famous movie star Amir, and he was, you know, he's kind of an out of shape forty seven year old actor who needed to look like an acrobat essentially, mm-hmm. and so they ended up, uh, you know, offering me this this job to give him both personal training to a physical transformation, but also to turn him into an acrobat. So I taught him juggling and unicycling and handstands and the sear wheel. Uh, and we worked together for two years on two of his films and did this massive transformation to get him, you know, looking, looking good for both movies. Uh, and it worked. It was, a, you know, it was a huge success. It was really, really exciting process with great results. And so I ended up getting to live in India and tour around the country with him for, for two years. Wow. Wow. <laughs> and um, the, the two movies are, they're Doom 3 and PK. Correct. Yeah. Right. PK is exactly. one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. That's good. Let's, yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> uh-huh. But let's uh, let's circle back to okay. Sure. <laughs> you were in LA. Yeah. Why were you flown out to India to direct a, a hip hop? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so um, this is actually it was kind of just a crazy coincidence where um, you know four of my friends who, uh, you know, largely knew each other through me, were all in India at the same time. Uh, a couple of them were working for the circus. And then one of my best friends was doing a bunch of Bollywood business stuff over there for a few years. Uh, so all these friends of mine got together in India and they were hanging out and I get this call and they're like, you know, it's, how can we be here without you? Like, we know each other because of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, they ended up actually approaching the circus that my friends were working for. And they said, hey, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we did something that was really fresh and, and modern with the circus? We have this guy in L.A., who you know, we should bring out to, to do like a special project. And so they basically convinced the director of you know, one of the biggest circuses in India uh-huh. to give a, a 2000 seat tent and you know, 70 acrobats. And, uh, and we had kind of a one night deal. So it was like, okay, you can, you know, you can borrow the entire circus uh, and you have a few weeks to prepare it. And, um, and so we ended up, you know, basically they ended up flying me out there for, for three weeks and we were, you know, we got MTV India to sponsor it. So we had wow. you know, a bit of budget, <laughs> we brought in, you know, we brought in, you know, B-Boys and uh-huh. 
you know, MCs and we had, you know, popping battle and, you know, bringing in Bollywood dance troupe to replace the kind, you know, India has very traditional circus culture. Mm -hmm. So it's like, mm -hmm. you know, here in America and in Europe, circus is now really hip again. You know, people are like, oh, cool circus. And in India, it's definitely like, oh, circus, like that's for, you know, kids and grandmas. Like it's oh. still very, very mm -hmm. old fashioned. So they mm -hmm. were kind of trying to rejuvenate the circus and find a way to attract a younger crowd to kind of catch up to the West in a way, like show that circus can be cool and hip. Uh, and so they brought me out for this project and, um, and it was this whirlwind storm, you know, just a couple of weeks to put together an entire, you know, hour and a half long show. Um, and it, but it was, it was really fun. It was a, you know, amazing experience. And then that led to this next chapter. Wow. So wait, did, were, were you working with animals and stuff or is it just, no, we, so they had elephants in the mm -hmm. show. Uh, and, and I was like, no, we're not doing, I don't, I don't do animal. Um, I don't, I mean, there are, I, I should say, I have seen occasionally circuses, like there's a great, you know, touring circus in Chicago that has a guy who was rescued pit bulls who were going to be, you know, put under because they had hurt people and he rehabilitates them and trains them and then does shows for children to teach them that animals. So I, I don't want to make a blanket statement that it's always mm -hmm. horrible to work with animals. There are some people doing good work, you know, really helping animals in, in situations like that. But I'm, I'm definitely not uh, supportive of, of having animals for performance in circuses. They're generally not treated very well. Uh, they don't have the space they should have. It's not a very humane practice, which is why most circuses in the States now, you know, in Europe don't do that. Mm -hmm. um, so no, we actually had a big, you know, I went to the, to the, uh, you know, the director, of the, the owner of the circus one day. And, you know, I said, Hey, so, um, you know, this project we're doing, I just want to let you know, like, we're not going to do the elephants. And he's like, you have to use <laughs> the elephants. <laughs> and I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm sorry. We're, we're not. And he's like, but, the people will, they will riot if there are no elephants. And I was like, look, you brought me here because you want to do something new. Like you brought me here because, so let's, let's do this. And, you know, so it's, it's kind of a process of really convincing them to, to move into really new territory mm -hmm. for them and kind of, you know, got rid of the very traditional clowns, the elephants. And you're, you were the, like the circus director. Like, is that the guy who yeah. sends the greatest showman who's like, Hey, and now no, we see the no, elephants. So that's, <laughs> that's not you. No, so that's, that's the MC. Um, <laughs> okay. So I was actually directing like, uh, like, you know, like a theater director or a film director. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was, um, you know, essentially we were working with a couple of our other friends who were, who were there also in the show at the time, you know, from Europe and America. Um, and basically we were, you know, it was like, there were a lot of circus numbers. There was a full circus show already, right? They had their very traditional show. So our goal, what I had to do was kind of figure out how can we, you know, cause we couldn't rebuild an entire show, you know, an hour and a half show in, in two weeks, that doesn't happen. So it was like, what, what do we take? What do we drop? What do we change? So I was like, okay, so I'd take, you know, I'd look at one of the circus numbers. We'd kind of re-choreograph parts of it. We'd integrate some dancers or some B-boys into it. Be like, you know, how could we, what if here, instead of you guys just continuing to do this, you stop and then the B-boys come in and then there's an interaction. And then how does that connect to the MC, to the poppers, to the, um, you know, we had beatboxers in there doing beatboxing to replace the music that was, you know, normally like recorded, you know, kind of cheesy circus music. So basically my job mm -hmm. was to kind of construct like, this new mm -hmm. circus mm -hmm. and Make figure out new... how to bring all the pieces together. Cool. And, and you but you were a performer, right? So what is yeah, like, I was also, the coolest I was stunts? also in the show. Tell yeah. us about the coolest uh, stunts you've done. <laughs> um, well, so I, you know, my main, uh, my main acrobatic act is called the sear wheel. So it's basically like a six foot metal hula hoop that I roll and, and flip and spin around inside of. Mm -hmm. um, so that's super fun. <laughs> I got into that about 15 years ago and I've, I've, you know, breaks into five pieces and fits in a massive heavy backpack. Uh, and I've traveled all over the world doing that. You know, I think I've performed it in about 20 countries at this point. 
Um, so that's my, that's my main acrobatic act that I do. And I did that, you know, also there. And I, you mm -hmm. know, I juggle fire on a six foot unicycle with a bunch of, you know, <laughs> comedy with audience volunteers and you know, I have a number of different acts I do, but that's the main, mm -hmm. that's the main acrobatic one. But I, you know, I ran a flying What's, trapeze company oh, in the Caribbean and I, you know, oh. <laughs> stuff like that, you know, so <laughs> casual about it. <laughs> well, it's, you know, this is the thing is like when you're a circus artist, you end up just doing these weird, you know, it's, I think this is one of my favorite things about most of my best friends being circus artists is that. I have a, a game where when, when one of my friends says something where they start a sentence in a way that we don't notice is weird, you know, like I'll be talking to somebody be like, yeah, you know, when I was studying Kung Fu at that Shaolin monastery, <laughs> no electricity. And then I'll be like, all right, you know, <laughs> and so there's just these adventures you have where, you know, that mm -hmm. time when we did that Bollywood circus. Um, but that's, that's kind of the nature of the beast with circus is that, you know, one adventure leads to the next. And I think that's mm -hmm. a lot of the, the excitement mm -hmm. of it is just that you're, you know, you're, you're doing one thing and suddenly you get a call from somebody I worked with. They're like, Hey, you know, we need somebody to run this flying trapeze program in the Caribbean. Can you come down and, and run this company? And I'm like, sure. And then, you know, that leads to the next. And, and it's just kind of this ongoing thing where one adventure leads to meeting someone who invites you to the next adventure and you kind of follow the thread. Mm -hmm. All right. What, what I want to know, David, is what's the craziest stunt you've attempted? <laughs> um, craziest stunt? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, oh, that's a good question. I mean, I'm, I I'm actually, so the prop, the prop yeah. that I do is actually, <clears throat> it's actually not dangerous. I mean, relative to other, you know, relative to other uh, circus arts, mm -hmm. um, it looks very dangerous. Like when people see it, you know, because you're basically inside of a six foot metal hoop that's, you mm -hmm. know, about this wide and you're spinning and flipping and rolling upside down. Um, so it looks very, very dangerous. And What's it called? The six foot? Uh, it's called the Sear Wheel, C-Y-R. C-Y-R. Uh, no, not S-Y-R, C-Y-R. C-Y-R. Yeah. And then wheel. Yeah. So if you go there, you'll see it right there. Yep. So it looks like that. Oh, and that so was that's, you. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's what I do. Um, so you see, it looks really dangerous. You see that. And it's, you know, it is dangerous, but I mean, you know, I, I've jumped over roads and jumped off of cliffs on a snowboard, which is honestly like <laughs> 10 times more dangerous than this. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> so. Yeah. It looks more difficult than dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it is definitely difficult. I mean, it takes a lot of practice, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a really cool feeling. Like it actually reminds me a lot of snowboarding. I mean, when the first time I saw somebody perform this act, I was just like, oh, this is incredible. Um, I was like, I have to learn it, you know, within five minutes. And then I ended up, you know, basing my career for the next 15 years on it. It's super, super fun. Um, can could we, could we find you doing this online? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, yeah. You go to, uh, what's the best way to do that? I could show you, uh, uh, what would be the easiest clip? You know, if you go, um, let's see, can I, can I type it? No, I can't type it for you, can I? Uh, okay, you ready? Yeah, sure. You go boomcircus.com. Boom. <laughs> forward slash. Uh, video dash 2016. <laughs> I love how you memorized that. That is incredible. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, glad to do I'm that. Hopefully, hopefully I'm right, right? There uh -huh. we go. So That's it. This all right, is the nice. trailer for uh, my last touring show. So I'm also a mask maker. I made all of these masks by hand. Wow. Um, <laughs> I, studied, I studied in Italy. And this was our, our last touring show with my friend Peter. We toured around the world, uh, you know, for, for four or five years. Um, and in this one, we actually played six characters, but it was just the two of us. So we each had three masks and costumes on stage and we would actually change masks and costume in front of the audience on stage. So you would see us taking off the mask and putting on a new one and switching characters. And we put on a full hour long circus theater show uh, where we played all six characters ourselves and we did live music for each other's numbers. Uh, so as you can see, Peter did slack rope and he'd finale juggling clubs on a slack rope. This is, here he goes, this is the wheel. That's me on the ukulele. 
Um, <laughs> and so just in a minute, you'll see more of the actual, a bit of the action with the wheel. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> yeah, so this is, wow. that's me there. Spinning around. Yeah, so this yeah. is <laughs> <laughs> incredible. It looks like cool. theater meets, uh, meets gymnastics yeah. is what it Very looks like. Very much so. Yeah, I mean, it was really, it was a, you know, essentially it was a mask theater piece about a circus show. Um, so there was, you know, there was a full story and a full narrative with six characters and, you know, it was very, very much, it, it was not a circus show as much as a theater show about circus, but. Ah, so the story about, itself was literally about a circus show. Yeah, it was essentially, okay, okay. you know, it's kind of the, the classic mayhem, uh, you know, narrative where we have, you know, six characters. It was, a, it's a very, uh, if you're familiar with Commedia dell'arte, the kind of traditional Italian mask theater. It was mm -hmm. kind of a contemporary version of that in a way. So it was very inspired by, you know, we studied both Peter and I in Italy. I worked with a famous right. Italian mask maker. David, um, David, yeah. please slow down here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fair enough. In one time. All right, I'm looking no at problem. this mask here. What's the, what is this mask here? What am I looking at? Uh, mm -hmm. so, so these are, uh, they're made by hand and they're either uh, neoprene or paper mache. Um, mm -hmm. This one you're seeing here is uh, paper mache. This is from our first season. Uh, and so I make it out of clay and then I make a mold uh, with plaster over the clay and then paper mache or pour neoprene into that to create the mask. Um, and then we build the characters from the masks and then we build the show for the, really the characters build the show for us. Mm, wow. Wow. <laughs> what's it called? What's this, what's this kind of art called? For the uh, traditionally, oh. it's mm -hmm. called uh, Commedia dell'arte. Uh, mm -hmm. It's the Italian traditional form from like 15 to 1700s that has kind of been revived in, in recent times in Italy. Uh, and this isn't strict committed all'arte, but it's kind of a modern interpretation of that. It's kind of the contemporary uh, rebirth of that, that art mm -hmm. form. Wow, all right, cool, cool. So you went from doing stuff on the circus and then you were in LA <laughs> and then they flew you out <laughs> to, to India. And it just like, it just seems, do you, do you consider yourself like a lucky dude? You think Very, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, very fortunate. I mean, I've had amazing, you know, amazing experiences. I, I feel very lucky. And at, at the same time, there's, you know, there's kind of the, the dark side of, of the circus touring lifestyle um, okay. that nobody <laughs> wants to hear about because it's, uh -huh. it's, I mean, dark, not like evil dark, but it's, uh, <laughs> you know, we'll be on tour with that show you just saw and, and, you know, friends say, oh, how are you doing? You know, what have you been up to? And say, oh, we just performed at a castle in Germany. And then we, you know, flew to France and then we were in the Czech Republic and, Everybody goes, oh, you're living the dream. Oh, my God, I'm so jealous. Mm. Um, and, you know, I feel very fortunate to have these experiences. But when you're living the dream, you're also carrying 130 pounds of gear on trains and, you know, all over countries and missing flights and not having enough money to eat good food. And you get out of rehearsal and nothing's open and you're, you know, walking for hours. Like, it's a, it's a very... Um, it's a very up and down lifestyle where you, you have these incredible experiences. It's totally magical and it's also exhausting. Uh, and it can sometimes be very lonely and very, mm. very fatiguing, you know? So mm -hmm. it's a real, uh, it's a powerful life choice. And I'm really, I feel very fortunate to have gotten to live it. But then two years ago, moved here to California, settled down, have a baby. And I am so happy to have a home. <laughs> thank you. Congrats. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thank awesome. you. <laughs> Settle down. Yeah, true from jumping in. What's like your best circus moment? And what's like your worst circus moment? Oh, wow. My best circus moment, worst circus moment. Um, yeah, you know, I think some of my best circus moments would be touring, you know, that show that you just saw. Um, you know, when we had good shows with that show, it was, it was magic. I mean, it was, you know, because it was, I made the masks by hand. We created the whole script ourselves. You know, it was 100% us. It was a combination of 
improvisation and a scripted story. And so, you know, we had some shows like, you know, we had a show in France one night uh, at a, like at this, at a castle in France, you know, where we're literally on this out in front of this castle with wow. like, you know, 2000 people watching, doing our whole show hundred percent in French. And we just killed it, you know, and my partner, Peter, he doesn't speak French quite as well as me. So we had worked, mm. you know, for months on the French and we're like, is this going to work in French? Can we break into the French market? And, you know, the French are amazing. They're there with like the spotlights and the full tech team outside. And, and we just put on the show and, and it was just like, it was, it was just magic. You know, it was like, mm -hmm. there was that sense of like, we were in a different place, the connection of the audience, they were just there with us on every time we took a breath, we could feel the audience breathing with us. Uh, you know, when it finished that night, we got back to the hangout with the other artists and we had people being like, was that you guys? We heard this applause like across the entire park from the other castle. And we're like, yeah, that was us. <laughs> um, and so they're just, you know, those moments where it comes together mm -hmm. and something that you created that came from your body, you know, your hands, your soul, that when that works and you see the people in the audience just looking up and they're just there and you just, you're just fully connected. That's for me, there's nothing better than that. There's like... There's no question about it. Um, so that's, that for me is awesome. Some of the worst moments <laughs> might be the same show, uh, you know, cause we were touring, we were touring outside. Uh, and so it was, it wasn't street performing. We were like at outdoor art festivals in Europe. Um, and we had a show in, in Ireland where, um, you know, the, uh, the, the kids, there were like 300 kids in the front and they were throwing dirt and rocks on our stage during the show. Um, you know, and my partner was trying to get ready to do his rope number and the kids are literally throwing rocks at him while he's in character. And we're trying to like get the parents to stop the kids from throwing rocks at us on stage while we're getting ready to do literally like my partner could die, you know, in his number if it doesn't go well. And, and kids are like throwing rocks and dirt. So uh, that was horrible. And you're, in character on stage trying to do crowd control without ruining your show. And there's, you know, 300 kids in the front with no parents anywhere. And, you know, that, those moments were those moments where it's like, what am I doing with my life? Like, why am I here? You know, like, one of my best friends in the world is about to die if I don't murder a small child. Like, you know, what do you do? Mm -hmm. um, and so there are definitely those times where you're just, you know, it's it's just rough and you got to just power through and, and find the right way to do it. So. Wow. Amazing. All right. I want to, yeah, let's, let's go to the, the good stuff. Great. Let's, um, let's talk about PK. All right. Sure. Uh, how, how can we best see like a before and after of Amir Khan? Is there, um, I don't, uh, well for that film, I don't have them here on this computer actually. Mm -hmm. Um, you can see, I mean, if you go, if you just go, uh, like, if you, you know, do Amir Khan, for that, if you do before and after, you'll see another one of his movies where he did a transformation, which is what you're seeing there on the screen. Mm -hmm. um, but if you do, uh, if you actually just go PK, probably if you go PK Amir Khan shirtless, I bet that's, <laughs> sure, I mean, I don't know how you search these things, but I, I'm guessing, <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm guessing go. you'll see. Okay, so there you go. Okay, so that cool. shot with the stereo, uh, the one where he's holding the radio. So that's, that's uh, the training I did with him there. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. And you said he was how old in here? Uh, he's 47 years old. In this uh, photo, he's 48 or 49. Wow. Um, I couldn't tell. I, so. I assume watching that he was like 30s or something. So yeah, tough. well, he's got a real, yeah, uh -huh. he's got a real youthful face. And when his body gets good, he just, he looks amazing. So, um, but yeah, he was, he was, I think 48 or 49 at the time that, that was shot. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, and before, so before um, you met him, was he like, was he active or was he like, he was in shape still, he was, like he wasn't. Mm -hmm. He wasn't, um, you know, I mean, he, he had probably, I'd say we cut off, we probably shredded off at least 10 or 15 pounds of fat and mm -hmm. added probably 15 pounds of muscle. I mean, it was, a, it was um, you know, so it was, it was pretty radical, uh, but it was also, you know, the reason he had hired me was because he wanted, you know, the, the day I met him, he said, you know, Dave, I don't just want to look like a circus artist. I want to feel like a circus artist and I want to move like a circus artist. Like I want this character to be believable. Um, so what was really, you know, the thing that most people don't know is that, you know, we lifted a lot of weights, but I also had him doing parkour and handstands and, you know, unicycles and juggling and, what? you know, full acrobatic training and cartwheel. <laughs> Um, what? Which unicycle training? You don't have that at your yeah, gym, yeah. Joseph. <laughs> no, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean he learned how to ride a unicycle, the whole deal. But the physical stuff, you know, I trained him basically the way that we train in the circus. So it was, it was a lot of weight training, but like none of my training is traditional. So you know, it's a lot of stuff where it's uneven, off-balance stuff that's kind of inspired by acrobatics or martial arts. So, you know, doing a lot of, a lot of funky stuff, a lot of handstand push-ups, a lot of things in non-traditional positions where you're not just using a machine, you're supporting yourself on one hand while pulling cables or lifting mm -hmm. weights. Um, so you, didn't, very you, didn't have to do, you didn't have to do that. That was because he wanted to feel like, move like a circus artist? Well, uh, two or, things. I mean, one was, was to train him, you know, because it was like, okay, I can't turn you into a professional acrobat in, in a year and a half, but I, can, but I felt like if I took him through the kind of training that an acrobat will do, it would help him really get into the role and understand mm -hmm. both physically, mentally, emotionally, mm -hmm. what does it mean to be an acrobat? Because it's mm -hmm. really, training to be an acrobat is very different than just lifting weights, you know, and doing other things. And so that was really important. But also that's just, the, that's actually the way I train people in general when I do weightlifting. I'm, I'm really bored by traditional weightlifting. Um, so my, my whole approach is based on really trying to make things fun and, and dynamic. So I do a lot of functional training. I do a lot of, a lot of movement-based stuff, a lot of asymmetrical stuff, a lot of, um, you know, like I, I break a lot of traditional rules in the gym where they're like, oh, you know, you, you must not let your body move to one side or the other. And I'm like, you know, that's totally not true because in life, you don't ever put something on a shelf by pushing it in a straight line with your feet in parallel. Mm -hmm. You put something on a shelf by reaching one shoulder higher than the other and going up on the toe of one foot. So I have created my entire training approach on both kind of an acrobatic way of like, how can this be fun and dynamic and movement? And also what do we do in life? And so I, I always come back in my training to how does this prepare you for life? Like right now there's the firefighters here in Santa Cruz, putting out the fires in our mountains there's not a single moment ever where they're standing in parallel, pushing or pulling in parallel, right? So when I train someone in the gym, I want to say like, okay, if you were going to be a firefighter, what would you be doing? You'd be grabbing big, heavy things and moving them with one hand in front of the other, like you do in real life. So how can we replicate that in the way we train? And so I did that with Amir and that's also how I train clients and what I teach a lot on my channel. It seems like you put a lot of focus on, on fine muscle as opposed yeah. to just strength training. Definitely, definitely. And I'm, and I'm a fan of alternating. Like I do, we did do some just like straight up heavy, heavy, heavy lifting with Amir. Like we would have periods where we say, okay, let's take two or three weeks and let's just, you know, do heavy yeah. squats, heavy deadlifts, you know, leg pressing, you know, 700 pounds. Like, so we did do traditional strength training for little bits because I, I feel that it's, you know, everybody these days is like, online especially like this is the best workout and that's that's bs because there is no best workout the the best workout is going to be dynamic and changing mm -hmm. because your body is dynamic wow. and changing so wow. so mm -hmm. we would do some moments of traditional stuff 
Um, but indeed, I'm, I'm really interested in how the stabilizing muscles work and how you can train muscle memory for actual movement so that as you're, as you're building strength, you're also building awareness and ability to move. And that, you know, that comes from the circus because in the circus, you can't go you know, train everything in a straight line and then apply it to your number. Cause you know, if, if you're doing aerial arts, you need to be able to move your head and look around while pulling your body up. So if, if you train pull-ups in a straight line, that will help you get stronger and it'll develop strength that can be applied. But when I teach pull-ups, I'm like, you know, both myself and Amir, like we do circular pull-ups. I do swinging pull-ups. I do pull-ups where you're actually spiraling, you know, your head and body to both sides as you're going up and down where you're moving your shoulder blades, which everybody's like, you have to hold your shoulder blades together the whole time. And, you know, simple challenge. If you like pull-ups, try doing pull-ups where you do slow pull-ups and then the whole time you actually try to move your shoulder blades. So I'm, I'm really into breaking this idea that everything has to be stiff and contracted and, and held and seeing how you can be kind of dynamic and aware while you're, while you're building strength. Yeah, training with focus on building functional strength and yeah. functional movement is something I feel like I really neglected when mm -hmm. I first started lifting like four or five years ago. Actually, it's been six do. years now. Okay. And it, was, it wasn't until just at the beginning of this year that I started focusing on, you know, building fine muscle, nice. you know, single leg work, single yeah. arm work. Yeah. trying to build stability as you're building strength. And it's been a total change in pace to yeah. just see how it feels like working on, you know, single leg work and single yeah. arm work and just seeing how like your balance and your like stability works. Like even walking feels totally different yeah, when you start yeah. to focus on that stuff. No, nah, it changes everything. And, and that's, you know, that's often what I tell people when they're like, you know, okay, what can I do to, to move more toward a different kind of training? And I say, okay, you know, like there's a lot of complex stuff we can do. And, you know, I have my channel for that purpose. I say, but if you want something easy, take any exercise you do with both legs or both arms and just do it with one, because it's going to force your whole body, like you're saying, to adapt to that asymmetrical challenge. It's going to force you to use the stabilizing muscles. Like if you're doing a leg press with one leg, all of the stabilizing muscles in your pelvis and knees are going to work like 800 times more than if you have both legs there. And so it's, it's a real simple way to, you know, I tell people just brush your teeth on one leg, like every day, forever. Just do that. <laughs> Change your life right there. I mean, it really does. If you get people starting to focus on that stuff while they're young in their twenties and thirties, you don't, I mean, I think everybody wants to be a 70, 80 year old grandparent that can, you know, walk effortlessly and spend Absolutely. time with their, with their kids or their grandkids. And that's yeah, something yeah. I didn't really ever think about before is like why focus on single leg, single leg or functional movement and stability. And now that's something yeah. I'm trying to like really incorporate throughout all of my yeah. strength training just to, so that you have that sort of long-term, that long-term path. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's exactly what you said, because when you, you know, when you hear about the fall, you know, that happens often to people in their seventies and eighties where that one bad fall and they break their hip and they never fully recover. It is, it is never because their muscles aren't strong enough. It's because their, their, their motor unit recruitment, the ability of different muscles to work together intelligently isn't there. So it's the, you know, like you can actually have, and you see this all the time, you see weightlifters often getting injured with simple things because having muscles that can push or pull in a straight line is great. And I'm not trying to talk down on that. I'm a big fan of getting very strong, but if you don't have the ability to recruit the right muscle fibers at the right time to use them intelligently, then it's not functional. And right now there's, there's a big push for like train like an athlete and, you know, functional strength in the fitness community. And, and some of it's great, but a lot of it is, I think, kind of lip service because you'll still see a lot of channels that are like train like an athlete. And then all of their <laughs> videos are like how to make the inside of your pectoral muscle look bigger, how to make this muscle <laughs> look bigger. And I'm like, look, if you want a muscle to look bigger, there's nothing wrong with that. But that's not training like an athlete because an athlete 
needs to, or an acrobat needs to move their body dynamically and be able to look and see and respond to what's happening around them while using their muscles. And that's, that's, I think my biggest complaint with gym culture is the like staring at my biceps in the mirror while I lift weights kind of thing, <laughs> uh, which like, I get it. You know, when I lift weights and there's a mirror in front of me, I look too, <laughs> but it's like, you know, how can we get out of that space of like me, my muscles, how I look with that yeah. top lighting in the mirror yeah. and, and look at what we do with our bodies. And again, I'm, I'm so inspired by the firefighters right now. I'm like, this is functional training, right? Like pulling people out of a burning house, moving a tree out of the way, and how do we train for life? How do we train to be heroes, essentially, to be able to help ourselves and other people? Um, and that's that's what's exciting to me. Yeah, I know ex I know exactly what you mean. Because when I first started lifting, I was just like, okay, I want to be healthy and I want to look good. So I just focused right. on <laughs> bodybuilding and then doing you know high intensity interval training and stretching. Sure. So like I had some of like the health and sort of functional movements in mind, but most of it was just focused on bodybuilding. And it was crazy just at the beginning of the year to start doing one real strength training for the first time in my life, right. as opposed to like keeping the same weights and just doing, you know, bodybuilding for the past five years. And then yeah. two, just focusing on like the fine muscle and single leg movement. And it's been a total, it's just a total, really interesting change. This yeah. like feels like a 180 at, compared to what I used to be doing. Nice. Yeah. And, and it's, and that's the thing is I always tell people like, you know, you get comments of like, I'll have some exercises that I post that look like they look not, you know, you can see there's a balance challenge, but you go like, oh, that's, that's not going to, you know, work my muscles so much. And then I'm like, try it, try it. Like, you know, so this st stupid exercise from a Austrian dance teacher I had where you put your arms out and you open your hands as wide as you can and you squeeze them as tight as you can. And you do repetitions of this, but every single time actually squeezing as and opening as big and small as you can. And if you do that 20 times in a row, like 15 seconds, your arms are on fire. And so I get like, you know, bodybuilders to see that video and they're like, oh, what is this BS? And I'm like, dude, try it 20 seconds. <laughs> and then let's that's, talk about that's it. That's interesting because I've been doing stuff like that, but to work on like uh, with my feet. So like spreading my, my nice. toes as wide as I can and then like pressing yeah. up on them and just like working on like ankle mobility and just like keeping exactly. your legs, like keeping your legs functional and like trying to improve just like how effortless does walking feel? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, we don't use our feet as part of, you know, one of the main problems, like this is what connects us to the ground and where all of our movement yeah. starts. And, you know, we put, you know, we, we have our two-year-old, you know, barefoot or in, you know, yeah. little shoes with little tiny like suede soles so she can feel the ground because, and I, you know, I train barefoot, like at the gym, I, I lift weights, you know, I'm lucky to have a gym here in Santa Cruz where it's one of the only ones where they let you lift weights barefoot because it's a rock climbing gym. Um, and I lift weights, you know, exclusively barefoot. And I, I spent three years at a dance conservatory in Austria, um, you know, working with, you know, some of the best ballet and contemporary dance teachers in the world and really focusing on the feet and how the, the muscles and how everything works in the foot, you know, like 22 bones or whatever in the foot, it's this like super dynamic part of your body. And most of us from early childhood, we just turn it into this, this mute zone that we don't feel and that we don't use. And so a lot we're of my training- sold, I, We're getting sold those shoes that are so <laughs> stuffed with their, with their heels. And exactly. I, that was something one of my a trainer had recommended to me and he was saying, switch to flat shoes. Yeah, Not, don't just work out like when you're, you know, great that you're going barefoot on squats, deadlifts and everything for like big heavy lifts, but wear your flat shoes, walk around with flat shoes, stop Absolutely. wearing heavily yep. insulated like soles because from a young age, that's, that's what's been kind of un, been our undoing. And this is what he was saying. He's like, 100%. he was saying like, I tell kids, this what he was the same thing. He's like, I tell parents, like, don't let your kids wear shoes. Let them have them walk around barefoot as that's much it. as possible. Yeah. Well, and I you can never you know, thought about that. 
Well, for people who, who might be listening who haven't felt this before, it's real simple. Like you can take your hand right now and just put your hand on the ground and push your fingers into the ground and you'll feel a response, right? Or even, you know, the other hand, you push and you feel something moving. Then if you take your hand and you put it on your couch or your mattress and you push, your body doesn't move away. Instead, your fingers sink into it. And this is the same thing we do to our feet. We're, we're trying so hard to like protect the body and, you know, da, 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 that, that we're actually taking away the body's ability to get information from the ground and to push and cause change internally. And so all of this amazing brain circuitry we have that's able to, like, you know, what you said, these foot exercises, I'm a big fan of those also like isolating fingers and toes. You can rewire your brain literally to have consciousness of the individual movements of your toes and the muscles of your feet, because we've, we've lost that as a species basically. <laughs> um, and so it's, I'm really excited about like, let's rebuild the neural wiring that allows us to feel and control parts of our body that, we didn't even know existed or we didn't know we were able to feel like it's just been this yeah, stuff yeah. foot and it's like, no, no, let's, let's talk about what's in the foot. So yeah. It's, it's and what you're talking about with pressing your, your hands sort of into the ground, that's, that's, that's sort of the same thought process behind practicing, like stretching out your toes and then try to, sort of what I've been doing is trying to relearn to walk and like making sure to press my feet and my yeah. toes into the ground as I'm walking, because when mm -hmm. you've been, as when you're wearing your flat shoes, you can't get away with that, what you were doing when you were walking in with a oh, very, yeah. <laughs> you know, with a nice cushioned heel. And it's Absolutely. totally different. Yep. Yeah, yeah, 100%. No, it's, I, I teach a lot of foot workshops, actually. Um, and, and when I do, it's, it's always kind of this revelatory moment because most people have never used their feet. You know, they, when they jump, they jump from their legs. And there's none of that action of the foot pushing through. And, you know, again, I, I studied these amazing ballet teachers who could jump in the air and do, you know, three full spins in the air and land perfectly in control and balance. And that comes from strong legs, obviously, but so much of it is that spring mechanism through the muscles and the bones of the foot on the way up and the way down. And man, when you get into that, it just changes your life. Your whole body transforms the minute you start to feel your hands and feel your feet. Wow. Amazing. I want to move it on to, to um, it. what David was eating. Yeah. What David <laughs> what what Amir Amir was eating? eating here. Yep. What's he? Sure. Sure. Uh -huh. Um, so very, I actually have a video about that on my channel. Um, Amir Khan's fat loss diet for doom three, um, uh, five, five meals a day, most mm -hmm. of the time. Um, so we did, uh, we did five meals a day plus a protein shake, uh, was generally our, our food for Amir. And it was, you know, pretty standard weightlifting fare. Uh, so nothing, nothing too complicated. It was basically, uh, complex carbs, lean protein, uh, and a bit of healthy fat five times a day. Um, so, you know, it was, everything was based around also his workout schedule. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'd often have him do weights first. So we'd, you know, uh, you know, wake up and, and eat to prepare for the weights. So getting enough carbs and a bit of protein to prep for that. And then right after the weights, then he'd have a protein shake immediately and a bit of oatmeal with a banana. Then we'd take an hour break before cardio. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, obviously if, if you have busy schedule and you have to go to the gym and do your cardio and weights, that's great. Like no problem. It's not the end of the world, but when possible, I always recommend if you really want maximum gains, try to split up your weights and your cardio because it's very taxing for your body to do a serious weightlifting session. And it's very taxing for your body to do a serious cardio mm -hmm. session. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. you have to sacrifice generally one or the other. And one of the big things that I see a lot of guys do, especially men who want to get real ripped is they'll, they'll run like a half an hour hard and then get a sip of water and lift weights, which again is, is good for you. It's not, I'm not saying it's bad, but the amount of your, your glycogen and your energy that you've depleted doing a half an hour of hard cardio right before lifting weights is going to make it that you have, it's absolutely impossible to push as long and hard as you can in the weights. So my preference is 
you know, for most, uh, most people looking to build size or strength is first you start with the heavy weightlifting. Then if you have the time, you know, either you, you take, have a little snack and wait like a good half hour, 45 minutes to just actually recharge your full body energy or even do cardio later in the day. So we basically, we, we modeled our meals around that. So it's, mm -hmm. you know, breakfast then protein shake and a little snack, which would give them enough energy for the running. Then after cardio, we'd have kind of a big, you know, a big meal with lots of carbs, protein again, some vegetables, and then uh, kind of lighter meal in the afternoon, heavier dinner, lighter meal at night with, um, you know, we often do some slow digesting protein at night before bed. So either uh, casein protein, um, which is the, the kind of protein that's made, like protein shake powder is designed to be absorbed quickly into protein. And casein powder is what you take at night uh, because it's designed to actually be broken down more slowly by the body. So it allows your body to have uh, to be basically releasing protein into your system throughout the night so you can be rebuilding muscles at night. And cottage cheese, or in India, they do a lot of paneer, are, are kind of the more natural replacement for that. So I, I alternate between those two, and I would for Amir also. I see. Wow. <laughs> and for how long were this you is, training for? fascinating. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, and how long were you training? How long were you doing this for? Like, how long did it take from you uh, got well, to the movie shooting? This was kind of a typical Indian mm -hmm. experience where, you know, I was told, like, okay, so we have, uh, you know, we're going to be here for eight months. Like, it's an eight-month contract. And I'm like, great. And then the week before I show up, they're like, hey, we had a delay. Uh, it's going to be 10 months. Is that okay? And I was like, sure. And then I show up and a few months in, they're like, oh, we had another delay. It's going to be 12 months. And I, <laughs> I think I had, like, I had, like, seven contract extensions. I ended up staying almost two full years. Oh, uh, what? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> to two years. That's amazing. And, but yeah, we, that's I good for him, right? Cause his body was able months. to adapt over that time. Yeah. Yeah. And mm. it was, it was, it was good and challenging. I mean, it also meant that cause we had him in, we had him ready to film after like six months. Um, mm -hmm. and then it was another year really. And then until after that point. Yeah. So what does he do so after was, that one year? <laughs> right. Yeah. So we, we kept training. Um, I think, you know, the challenge for him is that Amir, Amir likes to eat ice cream <laughs> and, and food like, like he's you know everybody in india they call him mr perfectionist and he is he's he's i mean he's he's the most insanely dedicated hard worker i've ever met like so no question about it but he does like his ice cream so the the challenge for us was like being like i'm gonna do this no matter what for eight months is one thing but like two years of being that dedicated to your diet and your workout i mean like the day that i met amir the first time you know he he, he explained the project and what was happening. And I was, you know, I was not eager. I wasn't into Bollywood. I was, I had just gotten taken to the finals in Vegas for America's Got Talent with a beatboxer. I was, so we had, you know, made it through three rounds and we had killed it with the judges. So we were about to go on America's Got Talent. I was building a new show. Um, but suddenly I'm in India and I get this offer and I'm like, I mean, how can I turn down training like Bollywood's biggest movie star for a circus movie? Like this is, I obviously I have mm -hmm. to do this. What an adventure. Um, and, but I was like, you know, but I'm not, I'm not into it for the fame. Like, I don't care about movie stars. I don't care about, you know, that kind of thing. I was, I was excited about the project, like turn a 47 year old out of shape actor into a professional acrobat. Like, you know, that's, that's something I can get excited about. Mm -hmm. But I told him the first day I was like, so I'm here. I just want to tell you, like, I, you know, I respect what you do, but I need you to know I'm not your fan. And if you miss one workout ever, you fly me home the next day. And I just want you to know, like, I'm not interested in training a movie star who's a movie star. I'm interested in training someone who wants to do this. And so I, I'm like, I'm telling you right now, like if you miss one workout ever, I quit that day. And it's not a joke and it's not a threat. I will literally fly home the next day and you will pay for my flight and we're done. Cause I was just, I didn't want to get into like, I didn't want to give up everything I had to give up to go train mm -hmm. somebody who was going to be like, I'm a movie star. I like to have my trainer around. I was like, no, if we're doing this, we're doing it. You know? Wow. Um, 
Wow. And this was for, wait, this was for PK? What movie was this? Well, so originally he hired me for Doom 3, mm -hmm. um, but there was overlap in the shooting. So we ended up doing slightly different sculpting of his body for the two films. Mm -hmm. um, but it was essentially one training process that ended up being used for both of them just because of the, the shooting schedule. So he originally hired me for Doom 3, but I was also his trainer while he was shooting all the shirt off scenes for, for PK. I see. Um, all right. And, you know, to his credit, for two years, he missed two workouts in two years. And, uh, you know, one you didn't quit? Day, <laughs> you didn't bail out on him the second well, he <laughs> dropped? <laughs> I, I almost did. You know, actually, he, that was, that's, that's a good story. He, one day he goes, so Dave, you know, tomorrow we're not working out. And I was, you know, we're like maybe eight months in or something. And I'm like, Amir, we talked about this. Like, you, you miss a workout, I'm done. Like, and he's like, no, no, Dave, no, no, no. Trust me, trust me. It's a good reason. And I was like, no, man, no, I'm not even listening. There is no good reason. He's like, look, I'll make you a bet because Amir loves to gamble and I love to gamble. We play poker together. <laughs> so he's like, he's like, I'll make you a bet. Tomorrow, I'm not working out. Day after, you come over. If you think that this was not a good reason to miss a workout, I will treat you to dinner at any restaurant in Mumbai. You say it, we will shut down the dining room. We will take a whole dining room and we will have it just for me and you and you have any dinner you want at any restaurant in India. He said, but if I'm right and you think it was a good excuse, you take me to dinner at your favorite restaurant and you treat me to dinner. <laughs> and I said, okay, that's fair. And I come over, you know, day after and we're having some tea and I'm like kind of waiting to see what's up. And suddenly goes, oh, I'll be right back. And he walks down the hall and he comes back and he's holding his baby in his arms. Um, and they had done a surrogate birth because, um, you know, his wife wasn't able to carry the child. So it was, it was their biological child that they'd had a mother who, who carried the child and, and gave birth. Uh, but nobody was allowed to know about it because it was a big secret just because of his level of fame. There was a lot of danger of what could happen to the woman or et cetera. Uh, so nobody, I mean, there were like four people alive on earth who knew they were about to have a baby. And I was, you know, not one of those four people. That was one of the first, you know, people to find out. I come over and he, he walks out with their, you know, two day old baby in his arms. And I was like, Oh, I guess I'm taking you out to dinner. <laughs> you know, what do you say? So we, we, you know, called my favorite restaurant and I was like, um, can I please rent your restaurant for a night? Cause you can't have Amir have dinner where there's people because they'll, it's like mob, insane mobs. It's just, it's, it's physically impossible to have him in a room with people. Otherwise it's just in, insanity. Like, you know, people get stampeded and go to the hospital when he shows up in town, they, bring in police force from other, you know, cities because it's so, uh, you know, just so intense. Like what, what, what happens when he walks, like, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio rides his bike around LA and you go like, Oh, I heard, you know, I saw Leonardo DiCaprio, like movie stars in America go shopping. Like Amir can't go shopping. Like he hasn't walked into the street without a team of bodyguards forming a human circle around him for 25 years because people die if he goes outside and there's not enough preparation for him to be in public because literally people will trample over their own children and people die because one, they want to get close to him and touch him. You know, it's like a, it's a level of fame we don't have here. It's very hard to describe to Americans. Wow. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's actually, we can, it's simple. Mm -hmm. It's Elvis. Like mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's like Elvis, Elvis or the Beatles. It's mm -hmm. like people passing out, you know, mm -hmm. people who like, it's, you mm -hmm. know, it's, it's, it's just a whole different level of fame. But that's kind of humble of him that he was able to work for like two years, like work out. Oh, right, he's, and... he's actually a mm -hmm. really, he's very, he's insanely famous, but he's super down to earth. He's really chill. He's really smart guy. He's very sweet. I mean, he was always, you know, treated me really well. Like he was, you know, you show up, he's got a t-shirt with a hole on it that he was wearing yesterday. He kicks his feet up on the table. You know, he's asking you how you're doing and what's going on. I mean, he's very, he's very generous, humble guy. Like he doesn't let it get to his head. Um, he just lives in this 
universe where you know this is his reality is, mm-hmm. is like an armed you know an armed police officer and at least six bodyguards for him to walk outside of his door well david i have to say these stories are amazing <laughs> but we're out of time here well we could okay. talk on for more and more and more but it's just that i have so many questions but that's it <laughs> that's what happens i got it okay. <laughs> joseph is there anything you want to ask anything you want to say before wrap up no i guess uh, one one final question was uh it's interesting what you said, he said about doing cardio and, and lifting separately. Cause for years I always found that doing cardio first really primed me for like a better mm-hmm. lift. Like I felt like I got a better pump, you know, I was right. more excited. Like I had, I felt like I had more energy to get through the workout. So now you're making me consider, you know, well, keeping yeah. those separate. Well, two things. One, it's not black and white, right? So there, there is like, I often would do like a 10 or 15 minute cardio session before you know it, it's tricky because people are always talking about like high intensity interval training right now and people say like how much should you do or should you do it before most people when they say they're doing high intensity interval training according to like the scientific de- definition of what we mean by that they're actually not they're running fast and it feels intense but they're not actually sprinting they're not sprinting like someone's got a gun to their head which is which is really where you get the the metabolic changes that are going to happen in your body through kind of like the studies where you're studying hit training and the effects it's actually a level of of intensity that most people are not doing at the gym when they're doing hit, which doesn't mean it's not good for you. It's great for you. It's just a different, it's a different level of what it does to your body. And it's also how much you do. So doing like a bit of cardio, either, you know, a longer cardio session that's a bit more chill or a shorter one that's intense can prime you. But when you go past a certain point, then you're just, it's, it's physically impossible to not have depleted a certain amount of energy from your body. Your glycogen stores are going to go down. You know, your energy is going to go down. You're going to be running low on glucose unless you refuel. So it's, you know, it's, it's again, there's never for me, I, I think that's the danger of the online world right now is the way people sell videos is, you know, if you look on YouTube for fitness, never do this exercise again. You know, like it's all about <laughs> trying to scare you into thinking you're wrong. So I'm, I'm not one of those guys. I'm not like, if you're doing cardio first, you're stupid and you're messing it up. And I do, and everybody's body is different and everybody's personality is different. And that's the thing I keep telling people is, you know, my motto is the best workout is the one you do. So figure out what you enjoy, pay attention to how your body adapts, take notes. So you actually track what's happening and you're not just kind of guessing and then adapt based on what works for you and what you enjoy. Because ultimately nothing I say scientifically matters if you don't have fun and want to go back tomorrow because it's fun. So I'm always like, you know, turn on your favorite song and dance in your living room if that's what you're going to do seven days a week for the rest of your life instead of going to the gym for two months and quitting and then complaining about being fat while you watch more TV. So, (laughs) you know, just find what you love and and go with it. So, Amazing. David, once again, much, much honor to have you on the show. Um, You can check out David's YouTube channel. We'll link it. The bottom, he talks about fitness and training and all that stuff. And David, is there anything you want to say? Uh, no, it's a real, real pleasure to, to get a chance to chat with you guys. I, I appreciate the time. And, um, you know, to anybody, I guess the one thing I would say to anybody listening, same thing I say on my channel is um, right now, not, not after you watch something after this podcast, right now, stop and do one set of anything. Right now, do one set of push-ups. Right push-ups. now, do one set of squats. squats. Do it. And then, and then whatever you guys have here, put a comment below this episode and tell these guys and me what you did not after watching something else, not after looking up on YouTube to figure out what to do, do anything right now for the next 60 seconds when these guys press end on this interview. That's what I want to say. Awesome. Do something with your body. All right, do something with your body. Like, subscribe, share this video, all that stuff. And uh, another day in other episodes.